me, but I'm really glad that you're here. I've been wanting to start a podcast for quite some time. The only problem was I had no idea what conversation I wanted to bring to the table. I'm a floral designer professionally. I own a company called The Flower Social, where I get to teach people how to make beautiful flower arrangements. So naturally, I thought the conversation had to be about flowers. But I was being drawn to another conversation. I've been through a lot of shit in my life, and I have a sneaky feeling I'm not the only one. In fact, I know that I'm not. Because I have a lot of brave women in my life who've shared their stories with me. Stories of divorce, infidelity, miscarriages, cancer, and even cults. And you know what the common theme is? Resilience. Myself and these women came up against the unimaginable, and we all made it to the other side, to a place that we didn't even know existed. The thing about trauma, loss, disappointment, and uncertainty is it doesn't last forever, even when it feels like it will. And on the other side is freedom, humility, vulnerability, and hope. So I wanted to create a space for women to share their stories so other women could be inspired, and most importantly, not feel alone. So join me as we tell our stories, and hopefully we can inspire you to bloom again no matter where you find yourself. Oh yeah, and the flower pun, it was definitely intended. so much for joining me for my first official episode of Bloom Again, a podcast dedicated to having conversations with women about resilience. And I have to tell you, I'm sitting here with my like giant official microphone that I ordered off of Amazon and my cup of coffee. And I'm recording on Zoom. And I was like sitting here for five minutes with the recording going just I, I was feeling, I would call it nervousness because I'm so excited to bring this podcast to everybody and I like just don't want to mess it up. Um, but as I was sitting here for five minutes, not saying anything into my big giant microphone, I realized that I'm not going to mess it up. Um, and whatever words that I share with you today or that the women share with you as we walk through some of their stories in the coming weeks, um, it's our stories and there's no way to actually mess it up. But I just wanted to share that because I think oftentimes, especially as women, we compare ourselves or we worry, or we think, you know, what will people think of us? Um, so I'm here to tell you that I have that feeling too, and it's okay. We're going to do this anyways. So, um, I guess I wanted to start by sharing a little bit about why I wanted to start this podcast. So initially, I don't know, I would say probably during uh, quarantine about a year ago, um, depending on when you listen to this, I had this idea to start a podcast about women's divorce stories. So I I've been divorced and I'm going to share that story a little later in the episode, but I thought, you know, there's no, there's not really a platform where women or that I know of where women could openly talk about their divorces and like what they learned from it and what came out of it. I feel like sometimes those, once you're divorced, it's like, okay, let's never talk about that again. Right. 
So initially that's the conversation that I wanted to have. And I wanted to create this podcast for women to have a space to talk about their going through their divorce. But then I realized like, well, what is that? Right. Like, so for me going through my divorce, it really taught me not, I mean, so much about myself, but so much about resilience. And I kept coming back to that word and I was like, okay, what, what does resilience mean to me? And then I got so curious about what resilience looked like for other women. And so then I thought, you know what, why don't I just open this up and expand this to be stories of resilience told by women so that other women, whatever you're going through, um, whether it's, you know, something that one of the women shares and you have a similar story or something totally unrelated, um, could listen to and be inspired. So that was kind of the intention behind the podcast. And then I was lucky enough to have all these amazing women in my life who um, share their stories so openly. And I think there's something so beautiful about that too, right? Because that's not something that always comes naturally to people. But I do think when you go through something hard and you're willing to be vulnerable and share your experience when you're ready, right? Because I think that's also important to like honor your own boundaries with what you're going through. But when you're ready to tell your story, it just leaves so many other people inspired. And also like you never really know what someone else is going through. So you never know what you know, one thing you might say that might just like totally shift their perspective or change their day or change their life, like for that matter, you know? So that was kind of the intention behind starting the podcast. And I figured, you know, I'm, I obviously want to interview women and hear their stories. And I want you to hear their stories because some of these stories I've heard and they're just so inspiring. So I thought, you know, I probably need to start with my own story so that um, it could be a jumping off point for all the other conversations. So for those of you that don't know me personally, I'm going to share a little bit about my background, um, just because I'm going to be doing that with actually all the women that I speak with. So you can kind of get an understanding of people's uh, background and upbringing. I think it's an important piece of the story, right? Because we, we, um, as children, we learn a lot of things, right? Or we don't learn a lot of things. Um, So I was actually born in Ohio. I'm from the Midwest and I am an only child and my parents are actually still married. So, um, it's a rare thing these days. And, you know, it's interesting. I learned a lot about love and relationships from my parents' relationship. I wasn't always sure, you know, if I wanted a relationship like theirs. And, um, I always wondered, you know, what was it that kept them together? Because I didn't, I don't really see them being like best friends. They don't have like a ton of the same interests. They, um, my dad's kind of a homebody and my mom likes to go out and like have her little wine and all this stuff. So I always kind of questioned and why they stayed together, to be honest. And honestly, I always came back to, I think it was the fact that they made this commitment and they were going to honor it. And so the message that that sent me as a young person and, and even into my adult life was that like, when you make a commitment, you stick to it no matter what. And I think that can be a dangerous message. I understand the importance of it because when you make a commitment to marriage, it's for life. Right. And you don't want to abandon yourself to uphold this commitment that you've made is my adult understanding of it now. So I think that I definitely learned about commitment through their relationship, but I'm not sure that I learned boundaries with commitment. And the other thing was in my house, if, if we didn't talk about it, it never happened. So I come from, um, an Italian family, well, half Italian, my dad's side is Italian. And 
if you didn't ever talk about it and it never happened. So, I mean, so many examples of this in my childhood played out. For instance, I, you know, I got in trouble a few times in high school. Yes. Um, I was arrested a few times for drinking, you know, had myself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I'll never forget like this one time I was getting picked up from the police station by both of my parents. I'm probably like 16 years old. It was the quietest ride home no words were spoken. And that's when, you know, you're in like the most trouble in my house when like literally nothing is said. And I get home and I just remember like scurrying to my room and we never spoke about it again. So obviously as a child, you're, you're probably subconsciously looking for some sort of like scolding or direction, even though you don't know that's what you need, but you know, I had a moral compass. So I knew what I had done was wrong, but I think by not, you know, getting in trouble or, or having consequences for a lot of my actions as a teenager, I had to really parent myself or, or understand that later as an adult, that I'm really like in charge of parenting myself. And, you know, I think there's, there's danger in that too. Right. So some people might look at my upbringing and be like, Oh my God, like you never got in trouble. Um, your parents were so great and cool. And like, that's awesome. And is it because, I think I missed out on a lot of lessons that I was meant to learn, you know, from my parents or from adult figures. And this is not to like shame them or belittle how they parented me. I think they did actually a fabulous job overall. I'm grateful and lucky that I had such a wonderful upbringing, um, such a privileged upbringing. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. So, but I do think even in those privileged, great upbringings, they're still things that didn't work, right. That you carry with you and that impact you as an adult. So, you know, as I, as I carried those lessons with me as a young adult, um, I went to college to a school in Ohio, Bowling Green. And then after I graduated, I actually was, I got an opportunity to work for a medical company, Medtronic in Los Angeles, California. And oh my God, you know, as a 22 year old kid, you're like, okay, a one-way ticket to Los Angeles. Heck yes. So, um, I took the opportunity, no questions asked, and it it was great. And actually the great thing about it was the company had like cherry picked a bunch of college age or college graduates from a bunch of different colleges all around the country. So everybody that worked in my department was my age and not from Los Angeles. So we automatically became this like one big giant family. And so it was so great to just have that support being so far away from my support system, my parents that I hadn't ever really lived that far away from my college was really only two hours away. So I could go home anytime. So, and I still, to this day, have a very dear friend from that experience. So I'm so grateful for it, but you know, you're 23 years old and you're going out into the world and you really don't know jack shit. Right. So, um, of course I met a boy at that time and I thought that he was the one, you know, and, um, at that time, I was, you know, working for this great company, like, you know, quote unquote, in love. And all of a sudden, this boy says that he wants to move back to Louisiana, where he's from, and he wants me to go. And I'm like, okay. And literally, as the words, okay, came out of my mouth, in my head, I could hear myself talking to myself being like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, you have a great job. You love it here. You barely know him. You've been together for six months. Like, what are you doing? But I said, yes. And so, um, 
I'll never forget this moment. I had packed up all my stuff and I had an estate sale. Like I sold everything because I was basically going to start over once I got there. And I'm sitting in my kitchen. Um, I had roommates at the time, but they weren't, I don't have a memory of them being home. And I was sitting there with my dog, my little Yorkie Gino. And I was just sitting in the kitchen being like, oh my gosh, should I do this? Should I go? What am I doing? Da, 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 you know. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the air conditioner kicks off. It gets so silent. And I hear this audible voice say, it's okay, go. And as quickly as it drops in, it's gone. And the air conditioner kicks back on. And I'm like, oh my God, what the hell was that? And then I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's okay to go. And, you know, looking back on that moment, you know, I think it, it was like, it was part of my journey, right? I don't know if I would be exactly where I am or be the woman that I am if I wouldn't have gone through the next 10 years of my life, you know, in, in the cadence that I went through them. So that was a really life-changing moment for me because number one, I had never really actually heard God's voice audibly. And number two, I felt validated in my decision because I didn't have anybody else telling me that I shouldn't do it or that it wasn't a good idea. And I felt protected in a way. So, so off I went and, um, fast forward, I was in Louisiana for probably about six months and then I got proposed to. And again, the voice in the back of my head is like, what are you doing? You cannot do this. You're, you barely know this person. You're too young, but what do I say? I say yes. And, um, it's so funny to like, look back on, right. And to think about the conversations that you have with yourself that you never have out loud. But again, because of my upbringing, I feel like that was really ingrained in me. So, um, so I basically decide to move forward with this wedding, but I am like completely missing the bride gene. Like I'm like, um, I, I don't want to get a wedding dress. Like I don't have friends and family in Louisiana. So the whole thing is like not fun. And I'm just, you know, resisting it big time. Now, mind you, simultaneously over the past six months, I also started to notice things about my partner that, that concerned me. Um, when we moved back to Louisiana, basically, you know, he was moving back into where he grew up with all his friends and his old patterns and things like that. And I was starting to notice things about his pattern and his lifestyle that I hadn't noticed before because we didn't live together or we weren't, you know, it wasn't enough time to really notice things. And a lot of his patterns really concerned me. And, but I pushed it down. I think I was like, oh, it's okay. Oh, I'm sure he'll grow out of that. Oh, you know, this, that, or the other thing. So um, I think really tuning into those intuitions. And I know it's so hard at that young age to really trust yourself, but I think I really knew that it, a lot of the things between us were going to be an issue, but I, I set them aside because I had made this commitment to get married. So anyways, um, I'm planning this wedding. I'm freaking out. And then I'm told that in Louisiana, when you invite people to your wedding, some people come that aren't invited. Well, mind you, we already had a 300 person wedding list. And I was freaking out, like literally sweating. And I'm being told that probably 400 people are going to come. And I was like, I cannot do this. I'm sorry. No, like, I don't want to have a big wedding. And he was like, well, neither do I. I thought you did. So that's why we are. And I was like, no, no. And so we ended up having a really small wedding. And uh, actually, we randomly got married in Austin, Texas. 
And we just had like literally 12 people at our wedding, like both our families and a couple friends. And looking back on that, even, I think it was subconscious, but I think like, I didn't want to have a big wedding because I knew it wasn't going to work somehow in my gut. And I was like, I don't want to make this commitment in front of my, all my friends and family and then undo it. Like that's embarrassing. So, um, I, I think, you know, I think that was a piece of it. And so granted we got married and, um, we did have some really great times and we were together for almost seven years. And, you know, like I said, we, a lot of the patterns and the things that I recognized about him in the beginning were a lot of the things that became issues in our relationship. Right. Of course. So we, uh, we ended on, on good terms. Um, we went our separate ways. Um, we didn't go down without a fight. We did go to therapy. We did everything that we knew to do to make it work. Right. And I think I share that because I know there's people out there probably struggling with like, should I stay? Should I go? You know, is the grass greener? Um, or should I stay here and water my grass? You know, all that stuff. But I think what you really have to be rooted in, um, because it, it is hard. I get it. Like when you make a commitment like that, and again, somebody who comes from a household of like, you don't uncommit from things you commit to the difference is like, don't stay committed to abandon yourself. Right. So really check that. Like, are you abandoning yourself to uphold this commitment? And I think that if you've done everything in your power to try to make a relationship work and you still feel like you've abandoned yourself somehow, then I just don't think it's a relationship that's meant to serve you any longer. And I think it's okay to mindfully leave a relationship, right? And even if it's a marriage. And so I just want to encourage anybody out there going through this, like, really tune into your heart, your mind, and your gut and, and check in with those three things and see how they feel and just don't abandon yourself. And, you know, we, we made the decision to divorce and luckily we didn't have any children um, and we didn't really own anything together. So it was pretty easy. Um, in the state of Texas, you can even get divorced online. You just have to wait 60 days and then boom, you get divorced. We uh, decided to go to, to the divorce court. Um, together because we agreed that we got into this together. We were going to get out of it together. So we went on that day together. We had breakfast after we hugged and said, thank you. And that was that, you know? So, um, and here's the thing, we are both thriving in our lives. Um, I've gone on to create my business and have a wonderfully full life. He's gone on, he has a daughter. Um, you know, he's thriving in his own way. We, we are, we are not close. We are not friends. Um, but if I saw him, it would be fine. Right. So it's like, it's, it is a weird thing to go through and for somebody that you're so close and so intimate with for so many years to not have them be a part of your life, but it's okay. Life moves on and you, you go on. And I just want to share that with anybody that's kind of struggling with that right now is, um, your life will be so much more than you can ever imagine. I think it's hard when you're in that when you're in the muck, right? It's hard to see the other side. And I just want to give you some perspective that there is, there is another side and you can, you can get out of what you're in and create something new for yourself. So, so that was like kind of, you know, 
happening to me. Okay. And, um, at the time, of course, I'm like freaking out because I'm also going from a two person income household to a one person income household. And I worked for Lululemon at the time, which that it's an amazing, that company really did change my life and helped me to understand business in a totally different way. So I'm so grateful and the paychecks weren't great. Right. So I'm like, trying to figure out how I'm going to survive on my own. Also, I'd never lived by myself. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to get like a one bedroom studio apartment. I don't know. And um, my best friend at the time was like, hey, you're really good at flowers. Have you ever like thought about becoming a floral designer? And in my head, I'm going, I don't know how you become a floral designer, but I guess I could like look into it. And so Uh, I lived in Austin, obviously, at the time. So I did some research about Texas laws and floral design and found out there wasn't a ton of red tape. And so I started taking classes and started just like leaning into my curiosity with flowers, right? So um, I was just just learning and playing and doing things for friends. And I work for the little girl side of the brand. And so I'm told by the company, they have like an all hands on deck call. And they're like, by the way, we're closing the side of the brand. No one's going to have jobs in three months. So I'm going, okay, um, this is not good. You know, what am I going to do? And the, you know, the responsible person in me is like, okay, well, you got to look for another job. You obviously can't do anything with flowers yet. Like you don't know enough. Da, da, da. Meanwhile, I'm waking up every night at like 3 a.m. journaling about this flower business that is yet to be created. And I'm just like obsessed with it. Right. So um, but I'm trying to push it down. I'm like pushing it down. I'm like, we can't do this right now. We need something steady. We need a paycheck. And so I actually started interviewing with Kendra Scott and I love her brand and her business. I think, um, you know, her story of how she created her business is so inspiring. And the job was perfect for me. It was like exactly what I had done at Lululemon. And the money was great. And I will never forget this moment. I, my parents were actually visiting. It was around Christmas time. And I walk out of my bedroom after I had the call with them where they told me I got the job and I walk out of my bedroom and I'm like crying, not tears of joy. And my mom goes, what's wrong? And I said, I got the job. And she goes, well, why are you crying? And I was, I said, it's, I don't want to do this. I want to do flowers. And she said, well, what's stopping you? Why aren't you going to do that? And I was like, I don't have any money. And it's funny because like I said, I was waking up at 3am like for months, just working on this made up business. And I knew exactly how much money I needed to like rent a place, get my floral equipment, like all the things I knew to the dollar. And so my mom asked me, she goes, well, how much money do you need? And I answered her. I knew exactly how much like to the dollar. And she goes, well, you know, your grandpa uh, left you some bonds when you were a kid. I mean, they're in the lockbox at home. I guess I could check them and see when we go home. So I'm like, okay, yeah, sounds great. So they leave in a couple weeks and she calls me. And of course, you know, the bonds are for like almost the exact amount of money that I need to start this business. Right. So thank you, grandpa from above. Um, You had your hand in creating the flower social and you know, so I was like, okay, this is a sign, right? Like I have to do this. And what I knew in the back of my head is if it didn't work out, I could always go get that job at Kendra Scott, right? Or get that job at Lululemon. Like I knew that I had the experience and talent to, to do that. So I had a backup plan in case this didn't work. Right. So 
I just allowed myself to lean into it and go with it. And, you know, the business has shifted and changed even so much from that concept. So when I first started, I just really had this vision of creating a space where people could come just play with flowers and be creative and almost like those painting classes. If you've ever seen the painting with a twist and you paint and you drink, and that was the the concept for the flower social in the beginning. And obviously last year during coronavirus, the business of social gatherings was non-existent, right? So even then I had to, to, you know, dig deep into inside myself and be like, what are we going to do to keep this baby afloat? Right. So shifting everything to being online and creating an experience for people virtually that made them as excited as an in-person, you know, floral design class was the name of the game last year. So things are always shifting and changing. You never know what curveballs are going to be thrown at you in your business or in your life. And I think that was what I kept coming back to, especially um, being so inspired by all these conversations I've had with these women that y'all are going to get to hear over the next weeks and months here is that most everything that everybody shares, their stories of resilience, all come from an event that they did not see coming, right? That they were not prepared for, that they didn't know was going to happen. And yet they were able to kind of balance their way through it and make it to the other side and create a life there. And so I'm just excited to have all of your ears and I'm so grateful for them and that I know the women that will be sharing their stories are grateful as well, because whenever you go through something hard, I think the biggest gift that can come out of it is being able to share your story and to inspire someone else who might be going through something similar. So wherever you're at and whatever you're going through, I just want to encourage you that you can bloom again and you can start again and you can start again and again and again. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's no shame in that. And what there is in that is resilience and resilience is a muscle that you have to use for it to get stronger. So I just want to thank you so much for tuning in today, listening to my story. And if you have your own story of resilience and you'd like to share it with me and everyone here, then you can contact me through my Instagram. It's the flower social ATX. I would love to hear from you and I would love to hear your story and get you connected to be on the podcast. So have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And I will see you all next time. 